and saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter, the Church of Corinth, in chapter 11. This is a fascinating chapter. We will actually split it into two times today, just through verse 15. And Paul is very upfront with the church about these supposed super apostles. And he goes as far as to say false prophets in their midst, other places say intruders, and tells them they need to refocus their hearts back to God. It's a reminder to us that we need to stay faithful to him because it is Christ who has cleansed us, his church, and connected himself to us. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. We have with us today, Pastor John Lekomsky, who is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO and hopefully still retired in Minnesota. Welcome. Uh, Pastor Lecomsky. <laughs> well, actually, Brady, it's cold up in Minnesota, isn't it? It's real cold <laughs> up in Minnesota. <laughs> so we moved back down to the St. Louis area, at least for the next few months. <laughs> oh, you did? When did you, when did you, okay, so how long are you in Minnesota? How long are you in Missouri or uh, Illinois? Well, we're usually in Minnesota through the summer. We come in in May and, and usually go back, uh, or early October. We were up up in Minnesota to see family for Christmas the last time we chatted, but we saw the writing on the wall. We saw the negative temperatures coming <laughs> and the snow and we thought, time to get out of town. So I'm into that. I'm into that. No, I get it. This is a fascinating thing, reality in Minnesota is that here's what Minnesotans do. And I, you know, I'm one of them. So I, when I, when I kind of <laughs> kid about it, I'm making fun of myself, but we'll say this. I love Minnesota. I'll never leave Minnesota. It's the greatest place to live, greatest place for families. And then it gets to November and they're like, well, Pastor, we'll see you in May. <laughs> they'll That's move exactly to Arizona, right. <laughs> Florida, Texas. They'll just leave. And they're like, greatest place ever, but I'll be gone for six months. Thank you. God bless you. Oh, my goodness. And, so anyways. and Brady, I was going to congratulate you on your win against the Packers, but that was a different Brady, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you what. One time I had a an inquiry from a church in New England area. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. they call and say, hey, would you be open to a call? Those kind of things. And they and I was like, sure. And and they said, well, you made the top of the list. This is obviously prior to Tampa Bay when you left. Yeah. Um, you made the top of the list because your name is Brady. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit works through names. I didn't get the call, but that's that is what it is. Anyway, so so Pastor uh, John, what what kind of ministry or faith highlights do you have for us this morning? Well, I, I tell you what, uh, actually, you, you summarized it just perfectly in, in, in your opening uh, comments. Uh, I guess the one thing I, I'd want to say is we need to talk about what this passage is not saying uh, sure. from the standpoint that um, we like to argue in the church. <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, we, we would look at this and say, oh, yeah, this is, this is how you argue. Uh, you call your, your, the opposition by names, and you, you berate them. 
Um, but but we need to understand that the the uh, super apostles, as you referenced, that uh, Paul is fighting against here. This is not a discussion over whether we should seal the parking lot or not, or whether we should go <laughs> leave Minnesota in the winter time, or the color of the carpet or whatever. No, Paul is very clear that whatever these people are teaching, it is another Jesus. It is a different spirit. It is a different gospel. In fact, at the end of our section, he'll conclude that this is satanic. So let's be careful if we start treating people the way Paul treats them in this text, unless we're sure that these people really have totally departed from the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, And in fact, Paul says that, he says, this is foolishness. This is not normally how Christians treat other people. It's not normal for Christians to boast, for example. No, this is all foolishness. But Paul feels pushed into this uh, position because of the, the, because like I said, what he's dealing with is a, a totally different Jesus than what he has come to bring the people in Corinth and to bring you and me. You know, that's interesting, too, because I was reading in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession this morning on justification, that what they speak about is is to, it literally says, overlook the minor sins and to allow for weaknesses of their people. Um, and it was interesting because that's right in the middle of the article of justification. I mean, this is like, what, 80 pages long, talking about justification in the Apology. And I just I just found that interesting as you say that is because we have to always look at the distinctions of what is it that we need to um, fight for till the end? And what are the things that we need to be patient, you know, fruit of the spirit type of things in Galatians? And Paul, I think, gives us two examples. Galatians, he talks about, I'm astonished that you're following another gospel. And then the same way here, he's speaking about the gospel, because when the gospel is at stake, um, as it says in the apology too, you know, justification is the thing that we stand or fall. And that's what it, that's what it has at stake here is justification by faith through Christ. So great way, great and, way to start. And Brady, don't don't you think if, if we if we start treating minor things with the same kind of impetus and impact that we do with the major thing, which is the gospel, does that not in itself distract from the gospel then? Detract oh, from absolutely. the gospel, make the gospel seem like it's not the most significant thing? Uh, um, so I think that in itself maybe would be a sin against the gospel if, if we blow other things out of proportion. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, Good yeah. times. Hey, and do me a favor when we're done here. Uh, send me send me the reference for that quote from the Apology because yeah. I, I always yeah. like those things out of the Confessions. I keep a list of those, and I will add that to my list. Absolutely, absolutely. I will um, have to dig into that a little bit later. But how about this? As we dig into the scriptures, Pastor, I think I'm going to say it, Lekomsky? Yes. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Oh, Just call right. me John, okay? Don't, I know, don't... but I want to I challenge myself because this is, you know, this is a unique <laughs> name and I've heard it a lot more. And I, I said this yesterday with Pastor Boyce Claire is that we're just not always good at pronunciating things in Minnesota. We just kind of run through it and hope you understand. <laughs> so just just know this is a challenge for me. So anyways, as we begin this, John, can you begin us in prayer, please? Will do, Brady. Oh, Lord, uh, uh, there's not a single word in your scripture that you haven't written for us. Uh, so 
give us the spirit that we can listen to these words of Paul and understand what this has to say about what we're doing right here, right now and today. And in these words, may we find comfort. Because I know uh, this is what we're going to need today, O Lord. For sure, we're going to need comfort because this is a day for each one of us filled with challenges and things that will cause us maybe to struggle in our faith. So help help this text to strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to everyone who is listening, if you have any questions concerning our text today, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org kfuo at kfuo.org and we will answer that according to this clear word of scripture as we are starting chapter 11 uh, we are you know going through half of it today but uh john do you have any introductory remarks concerning the context i mean we joined together much earlier in in the the epistle here and uh, is there anything you want to highlight to help us out as we dig into this no i i think we can get right into the text brady Awesome. All right. So a uh, reminder, we start and we're just doing the first verse because I think there's it's a profound beginning to this chapter. Um, reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version. Verse one. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I think I wanted to start stop there just because what is Paul trying to do here? He uses words like bear with me. You know, we tend to do this when we have conversations. Now, bear with me for a moment. And he says, with a little foolishness. What is he setting us up for here, John? Well, actually, the, the foolishness part, I, I, and, and you're just doing these in sequence, right? So tomorrow you'll be doing the verses following this of 16 and following? Yep. Yep. So actually, you'll answer that question uh, tomorrow, because he explains okay. what the foolishness is. It's his boasting. Uh, and, and as I already alluded, that is not the typical pattern of Christianity. We do not normally boast about ourselves. Uh, but, but as he says in verse 16, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I may boast a little. Uh, because Paul tells us elsewhere in his first letter, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So normally, if we're going to boast, we're going to just put everything on Jesus Christ. That's the central, uh, as you said, that's the centrality of our, our teaching. But in this case, Paul has to do some things that he normally wouldn't do. Uh, and they would really appear foolish uh, in, in light of that. And, and the bearing, right, I guess, right. would relate with that, too, wouldn't you think, uh, Brady? Mm -hmm. that, that, again, this is not normally how Paul would come and address people. But I guess I'm going to have to because the people are actually getting suckered by these uh, uh, super apostles. It would right. be one thing if the people were all straight and aligned with Paul, but no, the, the text kind of reveals, no, they've, they've kind of fallen in with this gang. Uh, so in typical Pauline logic, you better bear with me, although really I'm bearing with you. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. And it, it's funny because... I would say the first 10 chapters, you know, we talked about this the first time we talked, is that, you know, First Corinthians just hits them hard. Like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Problem after problem and sin after sin. And then I would say the first 10 chapters, I mean, there's, there's here and there moments, is really so much about comfort and grace and, and salvation and, and so much wonderful gospel that's there. And all of a sudden you get to 11 and boom. He hits him between the <laughs> eyes, just like in Galatians, but he waits. Galatians 1, it's like right away, I am astonished that you're following another gospel. And this chapter 11 really hits the same kind of language as Galatians chapter 1. So it's, it's fascinating. All of a sudden, it kind of hits you like, whoa, what's going on here? 
And like I said, foolishness, bearing with one another, and that's who we are. But sometimes you have to hit each other with a club as opposed to a, a nice little word or here or there. So any last thoughts on that? Well, I, I'm going to throw in a passage. I was going to save it for the end, but but I, I want to throw it in now uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So so the next chapter, and, and this passage struck me because it's my uh, was my uh, ordination passage mm. uh, where Paul says, "But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me." And you got to understand when Paul hits you with the hammer, <laughs> mm. it's it's because he wants you to understand your weakness, and he knows he's got weakness. In fact, he's the greatest of sinners, and that's a good thing to know because then you know that you've got the power of Christ resting upon you, and that purity that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, which we'll get to in just a moment, that yeah. that beautiful forgiveness that flows from having Jesus. So yeah, you can really get mean to the Corinthians because you're going to turn around and tell them, you know why I was so mean to you? Because you need to know your weakness. I know my weakness, and we need to know that in our weakness, we have the power of Christ and his forgiveness. Well, let's move on. Verses two and three. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to the one husband to present you as a pure virgin in Christ. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. A divine jealousy. What is that? So, so it's interesting. I'm glad you asked that because I, I did a word study on, on that. Yes. Uh, and, and first of all, the, the word in the Greek there for divine is actually theos. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's not an adverb or an adjective. I'm not sure which it would have been. But but it's, it's, it's just the noun. And so he says, I have a God jealousy for you. Um, uh, the word jealousy can simply mean zeal, uh, enthusiasm. Uh, but I think jealousy probably isn't a, is probably a good translation here because later on in this chapter he's going to use jealousy and it'll be in a list of sins. So mm -hmm. it is it is kind of a negative thing usually. It's not good to be jealous, not good to be lustful, selfish things like that. It'll be in that list. But in this case, it is a good thing because it's a God thing. And, and, and Brady, don't you think he's thinking about that passage in Exodus where where God says, "Where where I got that here." Uh, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those. those. Do you think that's kind of in his mind when he says, I've Boy. got the same feelings for you that God would have for you? Absolutely. And one of the beauties of this is he does go back to the Old Testament. He does go back and he proves that his knowledge is, he has good knowledge here, you know. <laughs> oh, I yeah. might be unskilled in speaking, but I am good in knowledge, you know, I'm skilled in that. And so I think you're right. He's, he's talking about divine jealousy, and it's a grieving almost of, uh, of, wait, I've given you all these things, but yet you still don't want to listen to me? Almost like Jesus, you know, lamenting over Jerusalem type of thing here, the, the deep love that Paul has for these Corinthians. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely and, connect and, to and, that. And, and don't see, it just occurred to me. Don't you see the comfort that's provided in that? Because he draws them back to Adam and Eve where something horrible happens. And, he, and what he's saying is that the same horrible thing is happening right now, right here in Corinth. The very mm -hmm. thing that the devil did to Adam and Eve, he's now doing to you. But don't you see the comfort in that? Does that mean God's going to abandon you? 
No, of course not. He didn't abandon Adam and Eve. In fact, he made the promise that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the one who had come and, and uh, you know, crushed the head of the devil. What I, what I see here, too, is it's Paul—well, let me take a step back. So sure. a lot of times when you ask your, your dad a question—I see this in my own family and I've seen it with others. You ask a dad a question and you go, what do you think about this? And then he steps back and goes, let me tell you a story. You're like, oh, my gosh, here it comes. You know, here, here it comes. And, and that's kind of what he's doing is, you know, like, listen, let me tell you a story. Here's why I'm concerned. Here's why I'm concerned is that I presented you as a husband. You know, I, I, I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin in Christ. And he connects it, obviously, to this wonderful marriage, um, this marriage and marriage analogy and mar- marriage uh, pointing that we see throughout Scripture. And But I'm afraid that this perfection that was there that I proclaimed to you is now being threatened. And so he's like taking a step back, pointing them to Eve. Do you want Eve? Do you want this situation? No, absolutely not. And I want you more than anything as a father wants to make sure his children are on the right path. He loves them so much that he's bringing them back and showing them their relationship with Christ and what uh, threatens that relationship with Jesus. And that, and that's, I mean, we can talk more about the, 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 um, the, the marriage understanding of Christ to his church. But any thoughts on that as he's, what his uh, uh, approach is in this? Well, I, I, I agree with you completely. And isn't it a beautiful approach? Because it's an approach that comes from love, right? Mm, yeah, because mm-hmm. fathers do the things they do. Well, earthly fathers, not always, <laughs> but <laughs> but they're supposed to. They're supposed to do it out of love and concern. Uh, the, the two things that struck me is, what a beautiful picture for us as, as clergy, uh, we're just we're just the matchmakers, right? We're just bringing people in and matching them up with Jesus Christ. Uh, not not with us. We don't want them to get married to us. That was a big struggle when I retired from a parish I'd been at from 40 years to help mm-hmm. people understand. No, you never were married to me. Uh, I'm glad you're I'm, you know, that you're sad to see me go. But no, no, no. Yeah, your 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 husband's still there. <laughs> the one that I I betrothed you to. He's he's still there. He will always be there. Uh, and then the other thing that struck mm. me is this, to present you as a pure virgin. These people weren't pure. <laughs> right. They right. never were pure. They're still not pure. And, of course, what Paul is reminding them is of their husband. Uh, you know, that Ephesians 5 passage about Christ yeah. who loved the church and gave himself up for cleansing her by the water, presenting the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she may be holy and without blemish, which I think is what you're getting at there too, Brady. Mm-hmm. That's what he's scared of. That's the purity they're losing. Uh, they're losing this this total uh, reliance upon Christ as the one who has made them holy and uh, without spot or wrinkle. And he and he says it so well. Second Corinthians eight nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. He he intersperses this throughout this whole epistle. And, and to remind them of who are you betrothed to, you know? Um, and that's something, a good reminder for us as pastors, as Christians, is who am I connected with? And this has been really good for me to see, too, because I've done, I probably haven't done as many weddings as you have done um, in your ministry, but you've done enough where you always go through Ephesians 5. 
And I've seen it so much only through the lens of a marriage and say, okay, this is what God calls you to do. This is what God calls you to do. And yes, it does connect to Christ and his church, but usually your 20, 24 year old couples not really thinking about that too much. Um, they're thinking about their, their wedding day and so forth, but this is so, so wonderful because this is what Christ does for you. And this is what Paul pointed the Corinthians to is that he presents us not you know, for what we really are, the Corinthians are not are not cleansed, but he um, gave himself for her that he might sanctify you, cleansing you by the word and the water and present you to church himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. I mean, he went through this, but it's so great to be able to say again, this wedding and marriage of Christ to his church and how our Lord brings us to God the Father in such a wonderful and beautiful way. Thoughts on that, no, Pastor? Yeah, see, and, and, and you want to have a successful marriage, that's what a successful marriage is based on. Not primarily your love for each other, but rather the love that Christ has for you. And then when your love for each other flows from that love, which, by the way, is always there, never ends, ready to forgive, eager to show mercy, yeah, then that totally reflects and changes the way we love each other as husbands and wives. Yeah. And one more, one, a few more references here is, uh, you know, just this marriage and this wedding type of feel. You have John 2, obviously, Jesus is there changing water to wine, and he gives, you know, gives credit to the bridegroom. John 3, you know, um, it, it speaks of uh, John the Baptist, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Think about that. Is a church we rejoice greatly because the bridegroom has called us as his own. I mean, we could go a whole bunch more, but I I really want to highlight those two because sometimes we just go to Ephesians five and we forget the other wedding analogies that go into this. So um, there he is. He is concerned greatly for his the church in Corinth. Last thoughts on those first three verses? Nope. I think you, we, we've said it well. Good. All right. Let's go through verses four through six. We have about two minutes here left, and then we'll get to our break. Verses four through six. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you in all things. We have, um, we have about, about a minute here, Pastor. Any things you want to highlight as you look at that to begin? Uh, well, when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk about this phrase, different spirit, from a historical standpoint, because uh, we, we have a story in history about Luther uh, dealing with the Swinglians, uh, and he mm. uses that same term for them, and it might be helpful to see what that actually means in that context. And I also like this phrase, I'm not so in knowledge, because uh, mm. I think Paul might be reflecting on some of the claims of the people he's opposing. Although that's the big problem here. Who, who is he opposing? What heresy are we dealing with here? So those would be a couple of things we could pick up on the flip side. Anything you want to pick up, Brady? Yeah, I think, you know, as we look at this, it's interesting that he highlights those three things. Different Jesus, different gospel, different spirit. And it's a reminder for me of how we need to all be very discerning and how we hear things. 
because there's those moments where you're like, boy, what, what does that mean? And what's happening here? That doesn't sound correct to me and the importance of all of us to continue to go back to the scriptures and understand what is actually happening. And how does this relate to the super apostles? And ultimately, how does this relate to us today? So, but for right now, uh, let's take that break. And we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with Pastor John Lekomsky. We will be right back. My community means everything to me. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The training and leadership skills I get from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people and look out for my community. If you'd like to learn how you too can serve part-time in the community you love, visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. studying 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with Pastor John Lekomsky. And as we look at this, he speaks about three different things. And John, I think it's good for us to start with the different Jesus and different gospel kind of together. A lot of the things I read on this is uh, it's hard to differentiate the two. Um, but a little bit, you know, what is he talking about? Different Jesus, different gospel. And this relates to Galatians 1 as well, that there's a different gospel. So what do you think he's talking about here with these different Jesus and gospel before we get to spirit? Okay, well, whatever he's talking about, it's something that is taking the heart out of Christianity. Okay, so it's not a peripheral issue we're dealing with here, but it's something that will actually undo the the chief doctrine, which is the doctrine of justification by faith. Because is there any other gospel? Is there any other Jesus other than the one who comes and says, I've suffered and died and rose for you and and me and in me alone, all your sins are forgiven and eternal life and salvation and heaven, all those other things uh, are all yours. So when he starts talking about, and, and like you said, same thing in Galatians, when he starts talking about different Gospel, that ought to make your ears perk up, because this is not some minor issue. This is something that's going to totally undo uh, the church. And it's good for us to remember gospel, I mean, literally means good news. 
And so yes. you'll go to the you go to Barnes and Noble and and you'll have this like the the so and so's gospel, you know, like a politician or something. So and so's gospel or the the gospel according to the Simpsons. There used to be a book <laughs> named after that. <laughs> well, and peanuts. So they did the gospel read. according to peanuts too. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Schultz, Minnesotan. That's great. Anyways, um, so you look at all of that and you have what is the gospel and clearly we always want to look at it through the lens of john 3 16 and and through the lens of forgiveness of sins like you said on account of christ um this is why justification is so long in the, the apology of the augsburg confession um but obviously they were speaking of a gospel that disconnected itself from faith in christ for your salvation and so whenever you have a gospel that says, this is how you are saved, this is how you're forgiven, and it is outside of the full sufficiency of the cross, that would be a, a gospel outside of what we say biblical orthodoxy, I suppose. Um, and so this is, this is important because sometimes people just kind of misspeak, and sometimes they're blatantly going against it. Clearly here, the super apostles are going against it completely. This is not like, oh, I kind of messed up on Sunday's sermon. You know, oh, I kind of, this is like they are saying there is something different out there for you than the gospel of what Paul proclaimed to you, which I can guarantee you Paul was very clear when he talked about the gospel to these folks. Um, so that is something always important for all of us to discern is, is it a misspeak or is it an intentional denial of the truth of the gospel? Thoughts on that before we get to spirit? Well, let's get to spirit, because I, I think I can Go reflect on that after we talk about the spirit. Yeah. Got it. Go for it. So what do you have? I mean, you talked about different spirit oh. and <laughs> and all that. Go ahead. Are we Go doing a radio boss, show? I'm sorry. I drifted <laughs> off for a second. Are we, are we live? <laughs> well, so, so here, here, here's the thought I had. Uh, uh, in fact, in one of the commentaries I read, it, it pointed out that this is the same language that Luther used in, in his uh, lengthy discussions with, with uh, Ulrich Swingley, uh, the, mm -hmm. the leader of the Anabaptists. Uh, and, and eventually Luther simply had to say, you know, they, they have a different spirit. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were trying to come to, together. We were trying to discuss these things. But the bottom line is they have a different spirit. Now, now of course, we all know one of, one of the chief differences between Swingley and Luther had to do with the real presence in the Lord's Supper. Uh, and, and I honestly think probably in my education, I, I was left with the impression that's what Luther was talking about when he said he has a different spirit, that he would simply not account in any way that Christ might be physically, bodily, uh, really present there in, in the body, uh, in the bread and the wine of the supper. But the thing is, if you actually do a, a study on that, if, if you, in fact, if you go to the Lutheran Confessions, you'll find out, uh, no, it was a lot more than that. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Swingley didn't really believe that Jesus was God. He believed that he simply had all of the, uh, 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 oh, let's see, what's the phrase here? That Christ is not true God, but merely has more gifts of the Holy Spirit than any, holy, any uh, other holy person. Uh, that our righteousness before God rests not only upon the merit of Christ, but also in our renewal, and thus in the godliness of our own way of life. And and the list goes on and on. So so when, when Luther says we're not of the same spirit, it's just what you said before. No, no, these people are teaching something totally different than salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. And as greatly as it troubles me, because honestly, we wanted, and, and in fact, there were agreements uh, between these different factions. But in the end, no, it was obvious that 
What they had was something, it was indeed a different Jesus and a different gospel, and therefore a different spirit. Well, there it is. And and these super apostles, we don't we don't seem to know a ton about these guys besides that they are preaching a different gospel. And it seems like they're questioning Paul. I I you know, Second Corinthians is fascinating because it's Paul kind of addresses what they're saying, but we don't really hear exactly what they're saying. So when you get to like the first couple chapters, is it, it sounds like they're saying, "See, Paul's Paul's not here. I mean, where is he? He said he's coming back and he's not here. So where is this guy? And then we get it full bore in chapter chapter 10 and chapter 11 that, see, he's strong when he writes his letters, but he's not strong when he comes into your presence. So clearly the super apostles were like uh, a great presence. So when they entered the room, people stood up and watched. And when they spoke, they were great at rhetoric. They were great at speaking and all these kind of things. And it seems like in verse 6, um, that Paul's admitting, I'm not a great preacher, which that makes me wonder, was he not a good preacher? I mean, I don't know. What are your <laughs> thoughts on, on, on the super apostles and Paul and his view of himself? Well, let's see. It, it occurred to me, that's a strange kind of boasting, isn't it? To say, maybe I'm not so good at that. <laughs> but I'm thinking, so there's, there's what a Christian boast looks like. We can acknowledge that we have some weaknesses. We're not perfect because we're not God and we're not saving anybody. Um, I'm wondering, and this is just entirely speculation, when he says, I'm not so in knowledge, you know, okay, maybe I'm unskilled. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not the best speaker, but not so in knowledge. And the word there in the Greek is is uh, gnosis. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of that heresy of the Gnostics who always came around and said, oh, well, yeah, you know, Paul maybe had some smart things to teach you, but he didn't teach you the secret things, the, the gnosis, you know. Oh, only we have that, and only the, the most uh, wise people understand the gnosis, so you need to follow us. What makes me wonder that, and I could be totally wrong, Brady, if you think I am, tell me, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that he then says, indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you. So these guys offer you secrets. We just come and we put it out in the open. <laughs> we got right. no secrets. This isn't any secret knowledge. No, it's right there. It's plain. Anyone can see it and understand it. I don't know. So what do you think about the super apostles? Well, that's, and that's what I am. I mean, it's a wonderful journey to look at these guys because um, Eugene Peterson writes in a lot of his books on really the care of souls as he writes a lot of books. And one of them, he writes about how growing up on Montana, Eugene Peterson was a, a, um, a Presbyterian pastor who wrote wonderful words about what it means to be a pastor in the parish. Clearly, there's things we don't agree with him on certain things, but there's, he speaks about in such wonderful ways of word and sacrament and care of souls. And one of his comments was he grew up where pastors would just come in and leave and run, you know, they would come in for a little bit, look all excited, and then they would leave. And that's how I'm seeing these super apostles. They come in and they show we have all these great things. And then they start comparing and saying, see, we do this. Paul doesn't do that. I give you this great sermon. Paul doesn't give us all that. And Paul is fighting back a little bit saying, yes, he's a better preacher than I am. But guess what? I'm no dummy. You know, I was trained in the, uh, Dr. Lenski talks about this in his commentary. I was trained in the dialectics and rhetorical skills. I know what I'm talking about. And it's plain. First Corinthians talks about this. You know, Christ is our wisdom and it is all about Christ and him crucified. 
yes, I, and actually I have more training than the other quote super apostles, Peter, James, and John. You know, if you want to go in that route, I have more than these guys. But that's not the point here. The point is the plain, simple message of faith that saves you in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's he's kind of he's fighting back. That's kind of what I, I'm seeing it as is that he's uh, and and also he's kind of comparing the super apostle idea to the actual apostles and says, by the way, they weren't really educated either, but I am, and uh, and here I have the same message that they have. That's how I'm seeing it. And, Thoughts? Yeah, and and, and you know uh, th- that word apostle, I think, is, is worth commenting on because that's really a very powerful title to claim. Because the word apostle means the sent one, which is to say that person doesn't have any authority on its own. (coughs) Pardon me. But he does have authority. That's the thing, because of the one who sent him. He's got real authority. In fact, uh, I I read once it would be kind of like our power of attorney. Uh, Mm. I I don't know if our, our people are familiar with the power of attorney, but that's a really... Dangerous thing, because if you give someone power of attorney, you are literally giving them total authority to act on your behalf. Uh, And they could literally spend all your money and say, well, hey, I've got a power of attorney. In fact, in in the Greek culture, they could arrange your marriage, which maybe comes into the analogy that he uses earlier, because that's what an apostle can do. He literally has total legal rights over you and and your life. Uh, And uh, so it's a very, very powerful term. And of course, these men are claiming that they have something greater than that, that they are the super apostles. And my question would be, how could you have a greater power than that? You know, and the very fact that you boast of a power greater would suggest that maybe you don't have any power at all. So, well, that it goes back to chapter ten, verse seventeen. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Yeah, is he's definitely yeah. given a slight to these super apostles who are boasting in themselves. Um, and we all have and, to be and, careful. And their authority that, then you know? coming. Their authority is focused on them. And Paul say, I want you to understand right away. I don't have any authority. Except that, right. <laughs> which was given me by Jesus Christ, you know. Absolutely. So oh, it, it, it's, isn't it beautiful, Because he's essentially, oh, so I don't great. want you to say, "Oh, what a wonderful sermon Paul gave." Didn't he give a great sermon? I don't want that. No, I want you to recognize that Jesus Christ <laughs> is your your uh, husband. That's what I want you to recognize. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful, you know. And and go back. I mean, because yesterday with Pastor Boyce Claire was such a blessing. I mean. Um, because he he spoke about how uh, how this how to be commended and approved comes from the Lord, not by our own impressiveness, you know. So like, yeah. so you hear someone speak, and you're like, wow, you know, it was really great. Another person will say, well, I wasn't that impressed, and you know, like, oh, you know, da 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 da, whatever whatever impresses you. But the point of this is saying what it, what needs what we need from you is to be commended by the Lord, which is how do we commended by the Lord is through Christ and Him crucified. Period. That's what it is. So everyone out there, pray for your pastors. Make sure they're giving you Jesus, even if they are not great read, yeah, great at their preaching. Because God dang it, neither was Paul. So here we go. Yep. Okay, there you let's go. move on. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on, seven through nine. And you mix, there's, kind of, there's a transition here. There's a transition here. It's kind of a fascinating transition. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preach God's gospel to you free of charge, I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burn anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and re- refrained, excuse me, 
and will refrain from burdening you in any way. I wanted to stop there because he kind of gives a background of what's happening and using some, um, some, I guess you would say a story here of what he's doing and preaching and compensation and all that kind of things. Um, so what, what's happening here, Pastor? So, and we don't know that that this is a difficult section of Corinth because there's so many things about the background that we don't understand. We're we're given the impression though that the super apostles were saying, "Well, Paul can't be all that great because he didn't ask for much money from you." Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and you know that that's a reality. Uh, I, I in 40 years I, I've worked at our district and I've been part of youth gatherings and and other events like that. And so you go out and you employ speakers and stuff. And when the speaker comes and says he wants three thousand dollars for an hour presentation you're thinking this has got to be a really good speaker right because the other guy's only going to charge us five hundred dollars so the three thousand dollar guy he's got to be something and so i'm wondering if that isn't kind of what it is like well you know paul didn't charge you anything so well you know how it is it's it, it, it you pay for what you get right you pay for what you get absolutely and paul's arguing well no, I, I didn't charge you anything because I, I loved you and I didn't want to burden you. And and other people, and maybe you're right, maybe I shouldn't have been taking money. Maybe I should have been demanding money from you. But let's make it clear that it has nothing to do about the value of what I gave you. This is one That's of those instances really where the free thing was worth far more than anything you could pay for. And that was the point, wasn't it? That what That's Paul was point. doing was, was the same thing Christ wanted to do, was to give them this all for free. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, because when you think of, um, you know, you get what you paid for, usually you're talking about your roof. You know, like, like in, you know, especially up here in Minnesota, we need to replace our roofs like every three years because something happens, you know, it's just horrible. But but it, it's something where you, but but this is not a roof. You know, this is not a car. This this is the gospel. And so he's he's laying it out there and saying, yeah, you're right. OK, maybe I maybe I should have charged more. Maybe I should have done this. Maybe I robbed other churches, you know, all these kind of things. And you know what? But the Macedonians supplied all my needs. And by the way. The Macedonians have far less than you, okay? And here's yeah. the deal. Um, I, I I did not burden you in any way, and I think that's a slight, and I kind of got this a little bit from Lenski, um, a little bit from my own reading. Is It's just kind of, it's a slight to the super apostles and says, listen, they are burdening you. I am not. I'm here to give you the gospel. End of story. Here you go. Any thoughts? Well, two things. First of all, Minnesota is the only place I've ever lived where you have to shovel your roof. <laughs> Just so people understand that. Yes, you actually get on your roof in Minnesota and shovel snow. But but secondly, I, I agree with you completely. In fact, I think that's the implication, isn't it? Are these guys really in it because they love you like I do? Are they in it because you are paying their way? Yeah. Mm, right, right. So what, And that, that raises a good segue for verse 10. So let's go to verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows that I do. So he has the truth of Christ. It's in him. I mean, this is the new creation language from 2 Corinthians 5. This is obviously Galatians. Um, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's mine. And my boasting will not be silenced. So what kind of boasting is this, Pastor? Well, it's what he said earlier, uh, that, that passage recorded. He's boasting in the Lord, isn't he? 
Uh, and, and I'm boy, to me, this is just such a touching verse because he's asking the Corinthians to consider, why did I do the things I did amongst you? And you know why I did them. You did them because I love you. And now all of a sudden you're turning away from me. You're criticizing. You're you're associating with these people who who ridicule me. Honestly, you know. So I I think you're right. I you're, this is pretty powerful stuff at all levels, because he's really trying to get to their hearts, isn't he? He's not just trying yes. to deal with it on a logical level, but he's actually asking them to look into their hearts and think about what he did and what these other people are now doing. Absolutely. Um... He says this in 2 Corinthians 10, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone's confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Yeah. Reminding them that they say they're in Christ, but guess what? So am I. Let's not make this a, you know, uh, us versus them type of thing. But if they're saying, I'm not in Christ, let's go back to the bare basics. This is what I've been doing. And, and he, he points it back so well on his deep love for this congregation that not only do I love you, but guess who else knows that I do? God does, because of God's love for me, or for us. And, and pretty, it just occurred to me that what a, what a powerful passage then for us to uh, think of and contemplate when we're in an argument with a fellow Christian, uh, that maybe we need to contemplate why are we arguing? Are we arguing because we want to be right? We want to prove to them how wrong they are? Are we doing, as Paul says here, are we doing it because we really, really love and care for them? Um, yeah, and, and maybe we might have to begin our discussion with fellow Christians with a, 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 a repentance and a confession and a request for their forgiveness, because maybe it wasn't really motivated, like Paul makes quite clearly here, because I, God knows I do. God knows I love you, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And how quickly we can act like super apostles. Like, ah. see, I got this thing figured out. You know, I have this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. But the end of the time, we don't even bring up the gospel, you know, um, yeah. and that's and that's a that's a real big problem. So, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. So we have about eight. Good. I was going to say, as they say, Brady, now you've gone from preaching to meddling. Because <laughs> you're making me reflect on my own life and think, yeah, well, OK, maybe you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. How dare you? How dare you? And so Paul then gets into some fighting words here at the end. And I want to, we have about eight minutes left here, Pastor. And I, I really want to look at this and get your thoughts on this first, this first half. One of the reasons I separate this into two halves is really because I think this part really catapults us into the next part as Paul speaks. And so I really want to focus on these last three verses and also to get um, your thoughts on the main theme. So let's read the rest, 12 through 15. And what I do, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness their end will correspond to their deeds. So what is he going to continue to do? He's going to continue to uh, preach to them the real Jesus and the real gospel powered by the true spirit. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, and to do so, then he has to point out that these men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as, and again, there's the apostles of Christ. See, when you have the word apostle, you've got to clarify who's doing the sending, right? Because that's what apostle is, the sent one. And mm. he's sent by Christ, uh, but they aren't. Um, yeah. No, exactly right. And one of the things to look at this is that it's a fascinating way to say it because he says, I'm going to undermine them. And like you said at the beginning, it's very important for us to remember when we're going to undermine somebody, it's got to be for something very important. You know, you don't undermine someone for a small thing. You don't undermine someone for uh, like a slight that you have or something that might make um, me question something I've always believed. This is something that has to be very, very important. And he says it well in their boasted mission. Was this mission about themselves or was it about Jesus? Which is something I, this is a challenge. I mean, you've, you've done this for 40 years. And um, the challenge that we have is whenever we do ministry, is this about myself or is this truly about the gospel? Can you, because Paul's really trying to fight against that. And that's something we have to battle too. Any thoughts on that as you reflect on 40 years? Well, yeah, see, and that's it. I, I mean, that's that, that after you've been in a place for 40 years, that is the problem. That is the problem. That and, and it's not intentional. No one's trying to do that. Although maybe in our ego we are. <laughs> See, that's why I said meddling before. Because we have to confront the fact that, yeah, we're sinful people too. And of course we like people to love us and praise us and say what great preachers we are and what wonderful pastors. Who wouldn't want that? Uh, but but you're absolutely right. See that? And I love that phrase. Thank you for highlighting that. The boasted mission. Is that's what it's all about. We look back and say, man, was I one good pastor as I reflect in my retirement years. And, and of course, in our flesh, we do. That's the thing. In our flesh, we do. But that's not what we really want. We want people to boast about that Jesus, that gospel, that spirit uh, that was all about God's love and forgiveness uh, and, and the fruits that flow from that. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 it is touching to me to reflect on the fact that, no, I don't want a boasted mission. I don't want anyone saying, oh, that Pastor John, he was really good. No, I, I want him to say that Jesus Christ he brought to us. Man, we're so glad we have that Jesus, even when Pastor John is long gone. Um, you, you know, the other thing I would add real quickly here, too, is, is what you talked about earlier, uh, the fact that it's not about appearances, because mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the super apostles, uh, and I appreciate what you said, because I think you're right, Brady. The super apostles really did look super. They really yeah. did. They had an appearance. They had a speech that seemed superior. But, but uh, uh, and what a great point you made, Brady, about let's not worry about how uh, talented our pastors are. But let's just <laughs> pray, God, may they preach us the gospel, because that's what we need. Because even Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light. Uh, appearances right. can be very, very deceptive. Right, right. And I, and he says it so well here because you think of um, um, Luke 4, and this is something we'll come upon for Lent, is that Jesus gets baptized, he goes out into the wilderness, and for a time, it seems like Satan is Jesus' friend, right? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm your buddy, you know, this— have some, have some of that bread, you know, it's a, just don't now, but just make it into bread. You're good. You know, Oh, you're up high there. You know, I can help you, you know, all this. And I can give you whatever you desire. 
And this is something we have to always be careful about because is that the way that Jesus speaks and is that the promises that Jesus gives? And is that is that the stuff that we need forever? And the reality is these super apostles were giving us things that might look impressive now, but will not last for eternity. Um, uh, so, yeah, any any thoughts on that? Well, just one final thought. You know, it's, he's really, really harsh. False apostles, deceitful workers, saying that they are, they are the servants of Satan. Wow, that's pretty. But, you know, honestly, I think Paul loved these super apostles, too. But 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 they their end their end was going to correspond to their deeds, so what do you do in a situation like that? Sometimes you just have to be really really blunt, and hope that maybe even some of them might repent and turn to the Lord Jesus. Because as strange as it sounds, that's what the Lord Jesus wanted. He didn't want to condemn any of the super apostles, here, but that they would repent and live, which is incredible for us to believe. But that's exactly the truth. Absolutely, and it and it it. it it reminds us if you are going to try to depend on your deeds to save you, um, good luck um, because yeah. <laughs> it will correspond to your deeds, which will never end well. Um, how would you describe this first end of this chapter? You have a word or two that you would describe it as, or a summary statement? Well, I, I guess the summary statement would be what we've, we've talked about, that, that be careful in using this section. Uh, as we've said, the, the issues here are not minor, they're not insignificant. But we, we bear with people in their Christianity, and I, I, again, I appreciate that quote that you had from the Apology. That's the general approach. But when someone out and out denies uh, that our sins are forgiven by Jesus Christ, well, then, then we cannot, we cannot uh, just stand there and not, not totally reject that. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing about not judging by appearances, uh, that, that's really, really important. All, all we can judge by is by what the Word of the Lord has taught us, and that is, of course, that our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. So, As you said, uh, Christ has made you pure by His blood. He has connected Himself to the Church, and there is no other Jesus, Gospel, or Spirit that is the truth, because it is Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. Pastor John Lekomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO, helping us today of the first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for being our guest. Yeah, good to talk to you again, Brady. See you in a couple weeks. You bet, and God bless you. Saints of our Lord, stay faithful. Christ has called you to be his own, and he is the one who has saved you by his blood. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finneran of Messiah Lutheran Church in Startel, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.